Welcome to NetSmart Care Threads, a podcast where human services and post-acute leaders across the healthcare continuum come together to discuss industry trends, challenges, and opportunities. Listen as we uncover real stories about how to innovate and improve the quality of care for the communities we serve. Let's get into the show. My name is Tom Herzog, and I'm your host today. I serve as the Chief Operating Officer at NetSmart, and I'm excited to introduce our guest today, Sonny Leinbarger, Chief Operating Officer at Bristol Hospice. Sonny is a registered nurse and has poured her heart and soul into the vocation of hospice care over the past 18 years as a clinician, caregiver, and leader. At NetSmart, we've been following her thoughts and leadership on social media as she's continued to invoke conversation and challenge not only our own bias, but maybe our perspectives and context around this topic. And today, we're going to be talking about caregiver self-care. Clinicians and staff come into this vocation to serve others and far too often do not take close enough care of their own health, mental wellness, and overall well-being. Why is this important? To serve others most effectively, clinicians must prioritize their own care to maximize their ability to help others and to lead the most fulfilled life possible. I can't think of a better speaker today. I know many of you have followed her and I'm really excited to be able to have this conversation with her. And Sonny, before we begin, I think just have you share a little bit about your background and kind of give us an overview on um, how you've gotten here and what's the top of mind for you right now. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. So yeah, it's a funny start to my career. I really never had any intention of going into nursing never had that childhood dream to be a nurse. I actually have always been fascinated by the mind and by psychology and originally had sought out to major in psychology. And my mom told me, just have always have a plan B, just always have a backup. And she said, why don't you go and get this, go through this course and get your CNA license? And I was like, oh no, that's not for me. And she goes, how about I pay for it? You go through it. You always have this backup. Finally agreed to it. And so that led me into starting to dabble as a CNA many, many years ago and worked for a registry company. So if anyone knows anything about registry companies, you don't get like a normal caseload of patients in the same place all the time. You get called at the 11th hour when somebody doesn't show up for a shift and you end up getting the hardest, heaviest caseload of patients. (laughs) And so that was really how I was introduced to it. And it was a bit of a struggle, and I decided to reframe what I was going into every day to be someone who shows up to provide loving, compassionate care to my case of the patients for the next eight hours. So if they didn't get any other great care that week or that month or that year, for the eight hours I was showing up, I was committed to making sure that I did that. And that really changed everything for me. And uh, I was a CNA for 10 years while very slowly working my way through nursing school and became a nurse. And so over the years has led me to kind of organically move into leadership positions that I didn't think that I wanted, nor was I equipped for. And so really just that's been the trajectory of my path. You know, I love the story that mom kind of nudged and helped encourage you to challenge your own uh, perspectives. That's what moms do is uh, they help guide us there. I guess a couple questions just on that topic is, 
What's been the thing that's been the biggest surprise or the thing you've enjoyed most within your career thus far? Really that, that I would fall in love with healthcare. I didn't, I expected that to be just something that I did while I was going on to major in psychology and get my degree there. And it really ended up changing the course of my career. And then I never also thought I would end up in hospice. That's been a huge surprise. I started out when I became, when I first got my RN license, I was working in pediatric ICU and I loved the fast paced, go, 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 always have to be on your toes running in the ICU And for me to be able to take that right in my career to move into hospice and then absolutely adore it was probably one of the biggest surprises. So I think on that, and before we dive into the topic of self-care and, you know, people are considering different career fields, there's probably some students listening to us today who might be thinking about that. What's something that you would challenge or encourage them on in pursuing a career path in hospice? So one of the things that I heard going through nursing school, and I will never forget it, and it always made me very apprehensive when it came to hospice, was that hospice is where nurses go to retire. And if there is anything that I can shatter, it would absolutely be that uh, silly myth, because it is, we have a, a lot of actually young nurses, nurses who are early in their career, have come to step into hospice, and it is very different from hospital in that it is, you're looking more at this kind of Monday through Friday, eight to five versus like 12, 14 hour shifts in a hospital. But the connection, the connection that you make and the relationship that you get to engage with patients and families where you really become a part of their family and you walk them through this experience as they're going through their end of life and you get to educate them. And there's just relationships formed that is difficult to do in any other healthcare setting. Yeah, I think you hit on one. Uh, I, I didn't know where you were going to go with that. I was hoping you would go there because hospice in and of itself, from a career perspective, has its own stigma associated with right. it. And you just hit it head on. And I think, though, when if there was a universal language out there, it's healthcare. Because uh, right. some of our greatest moments and our most challenging moments have been connected in healthcare. The birth of a child, uh, those of us who have had kids, we can go back and we can remember those times and very vividly. And then the challenges of someone fighting for their next day, you know, or, or working to have quality life. And I love how you put it is just an awesome opportunity to develop a connection with that caregiver. And I would tell you in my own story that I have great respect and admiration for our frontline caregivers, because we know when we've come across those who are passionate, go above and beyond, because you you said you become like family. The connection is a part of everyone helping and walk through that very difficult or challenging time in life. And in some ways, that segues into our topic today around self-care. So I think before I go into some questions, and self-care is kind of this, it's an emerging word. It's been out there for quite some time, but I think to a broader audience, we're all becoming more aware of it. And in this month in May uh, is Mental Health Awareness Month. It's a great topic for us to have. So much has been asked of our caregivers in every role, in every level, and no one no one took Pandemic 101 in school and how we were going to navigate that piece of it. And yet, 
I think we are all being drawn back to our to the core that our well-being, our mental health is so essential for us to find our way forward. Can you describe and share with us what self-care means to you and also why you're very passionate about this topic? Yeah. So for me, self-care is, is filling your bucket. And that bucket is a little bit different for everybody. That to me means being able to have the time and space, both physically, mentally, to do something outside of whether it be uh, being consumed by work, whether it be being consumed by home, being a parent, being a caregiver at home. There's so much that is being asked of caregivers and frontline workers today that I think it's so incredibly important to be able to step back and have some sort of a fluid balance. And I say fluid because it's never 50-50. You know, it really, it kind of fluidly shifts back and forth. And what it looks like for me is not overlooking the simple things when it comes to healthy diet and exercise. I mean, those are some of the simplest things that so often get overlooked. But anyone who has seen my LinkedIn posts know that I am a hiking nut. But that is, that's where I gain the benefits of being able to clear my mind, support my own mental health, support my own physical health, And uh, I say that that mountain knows everything about me. It knows my wins and my losses because that's really where I seek solace. It's a meditative experience for me. It provides me physical activity, but I think it's that it it doesn't just, you don't have to hike a mountain. It's really recognizing taking the time to kind of step back, whether that's going and getting a coffee, just maybe that's 15 minutes in your day where you don't have to be actively thinking, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to go have some coffee and I'm going to enjoy it. At lunch with a friend, going to Hobby Lobby. I mean, it's really simple things that we can take that they're minor little activities that we do that give us a little bit of reprieve from being on all the yeah. time. I, I mean, I think... And it's giving, it's allowing ourselves to be okay with that. I think for so long, the bravado has been, well, that might mean that I'm weak. If I need to go make time, then something must be wrong. But really having the courage and the intentionality is what I hear you saying of, hey, if we need, you just don't find that time. If you don't make time for that, it's not going to happen. You just don't all of a sudden say, I'm going to go on a hike. You have to say, you know what, on this day, I'm going to plan on, I'm going to carve out some time for myself to go there. Now, I didn't know you liked hiking. I'm a a fellow hiker as well. And I love the opportunity to disconnect, to connect. And I think what I hear you saying is, hey, whether it's coffee, whether it's going out, the intentionality that, hey, care is not only physical well-being, it's mental well-being and is bringing those things together. So self-care, if I were to to summarize your thoughts there is, hey, we all need to make margin for ourselves to ensure that we take a deep breath, pause, if you will, reflect on those things, and then ask ourselves, what are the next steps? So how do you, when you see someone in your family, uh, friends or whatever, and you see that they are not making that kind of time and that they're struggling with that. 
that's a hard conversation to have. How do you have that dialogue? You do a great job on social media of saying, hey, well, let's, we need to talk about this, but now let's make it real. It's someone in our circle. How do you talk about, you know, hey, have you thought about self-care or finding time? Yeah. Well, I think that the segue into it for me is I pretty openly try to lead by example when it comes to that. And I try to also lead by example that it's okay to be vulnerable enough to need those things. And I think there's a fine line that some people feel like, well, I don't, you know, to your point earlier, there's this weakness. No, it's it. We really do all need that. And so I would approach that in asking, Hey, what have you done for you lately? And usually that's met by, Oh no, you know, I have this, this, and this. And, uh, I think through honest conversations, I often will tell people we all have the same 24 hours in every day. Yeah. The intentionality that comes through having the same 24 hours as everybody else around you. Yeah. And yet being able to say, I'm going to get up a little bit earlier so that maybe the kids are still asleep. Maybe the workday hasn't started. And I'm going to set myself up by making sure that I just actually go around the block for a walk, kind of reset my mind and get myself ready for the day. But yeah, I usually ask, what have have you done for you lately? I like that, but I'm going to, so let me play on. I couldn't agree with you more. So let's play on that just a little bit or pull, pull on that thread a little bit. It just sounds so selfish. It does. It does. And, and let me tell you as a, both a mom and an executive, there is so much guilt around taking a little bit of time for you. And that's, that's usually a part of the conversation that's woven in there. Yeah. Is what happens when you've given all of you to everybody else? What's left? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like the, uh, I heard a story. Um, Rachel Hollis was talking about a story when you, when you're pouring out to others, right? You pour out this vase yeah. and you're pouring out and you're pouring out and you're pouring out. And then there's no more water left in for these, for your flowers to grow. And so, however, she also said, if you take a pitcher and you pour into that vase and you just continue pouring into that vase of flowers, what will eventually happen? It's going to overflow. Well, when you're overflowing your own cup, you're flowing into others cup as well. You're able to take better care of people, better care of yourself, better. You're able to do a better job at work, at school, whatever that looks like as a parent. Yeah. When you're not running on fumes. Yeah. And I think that's part of the challenge because for so long we've been taught, we give away medals for running on fumes that if you can run on empty and still succeed, then you must be doing something good. But I think we've also seen the challenges and consequences of that happening. Uh, people get burned out. Families become stressed. We're connected on social media, but we're really disconnected because we don't have that opportunity to really align with where we're at and feed off of other people. Because likely something that you're going to say or going through could be the exact thing that I need to hear in my own story and journey. And, and you know, the way I phrased it is, I can only give to others what I'm willing to, to prioritize for myself. And if there's selfishness, it's me believing that it's more important for you, but not me. And if I want to be the best 
whatever role. We talked about being a spouse or a parent or a coworker or a peer or community engaged in our community is we have to be very mindful about our own well-being in doing that. So I guess my next question that segues is, what are some of the common obstacles around self-care? And let's go, let's go back to caregivers. And yet it's very interesting, this whole notion of, hey, we're going to focus on caregivers, but every caregiver I know is a spouse, is is a is a parent or a friend. It transcends. You just don't carp- there's not a compartment to that part of life. But when you think about the obstacles or challenges, what are some of the things that we should recognize? And then can you help us overcome those as well? Yeah. Yeah. I think recognizing boundaries, that's a big thing that people really struggle with. They want to be on all the time with work. They want to be a good spouse. They want to be a good parent. They want to be a good caregiver if they're caring for their own family and being able to establish some good boundaries is really step one. That's kind of the the foundation in which you don't give everything to just one direction and then it leaves you empty. And so, you know, as we look at being able to give your all at work through COVID, I think has probably challenged people more than it ever has. And that's both men and women. Yeah. You have COVID, which is incredibly scary being in healthcare as is because yeah. you're a frontline worker and you're out there in the middle of all of it. Yeah. So there's a, so there's a scary thing just to start out with. Then you have schools were shut down. And so you now have kids who are distance learning from home. So that you may have elder family members that you're caring for in your home. The weight got way heavier when COVID came around for our caregivers. It was no longer just, I have to go and do my job. It is, I have to go do my job in the middle of a pandemic while all this other stuff is going on. And so I think we saw people really, really, I know personally, I saw people get really stretched to an unhealthy place. And it's being able to recognize that. Now in my position where I have 2,500 employees, it's hard to do that on an individual level. Yeah. But I think being able to reach out whatever communicative way that means to let people know we see you. Yeah. We see you. We see what you're doing. We see the obstacles that are happening. And number one, we just want you to know that we see you. Sometimes it feels like you're all alone in the world when the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Yeah. And so recognizing that people are seen and they're heard. Yeah. Sonny, I couldn't agree more. I think, again, it goes back to that intentionality of, of connecting with someone, not because you need something, not to complain, not to ask about something, but just to connect with them in that moment. And I love how you phrase that. I see you. Appreciation, gratitude, thank you. Because as the pressures at work increase, and you just said it, in healthcare, it's not like the pressures at home went away. They also increased. And we said, hey, let's make this double hard and as complicated and difficult and challenging as possible. And we all had to be very responsive to that. Loved how you said that in regards to taking time. with, And I think it's in our network. I agree. I mean, when you talk about at scale, a larger organization like yourself, but if we all just did that within our own circle, and then people did that within their own circle. The ripple effect. Right. 
It's it's an absolutely, and now we're not scrolling through news or dealing with this reaction or response. We're focused on how can I be a ripple of goodness to someone else that they can in return give that ripple as well. And this notion around self-care, that alone is not only good for you, but it's good for others as well. So let's let me go to the next question on that. And, and it is, what is something all of us should start doing that we probably are not doing right now as it relates to self-care? I think mindset is huge and being aware of your mindset. We may be eating the right things. We may be doing the exercise, but if your mindset and the way in which you show up isn't right, it's going to throw it all off. Yeah, I think mindset is huge and it can either be what gets you through things or what prevents you from going through things. And what are some ways that you, I'll share with myself as well, actually, I'll begin to be fair, because I think mindset's one of those things. And um, in my various roles, we've all talked about get your head in the game or get your mindset focused. Sounds really easy, but it turns out it's not always that easy, especially when you've got a lot of input to noise that are challenging. I'll tell you, one of the things that I doubled down on over this past year is around journaling and really beginning. There's a concept called five minute journal and you really begin the day with thinking about, hey, five things in which I'm appreciative of, a few things that I may be doing today and you end that day as well. And what I found that almost became an alignment for me because especially when we all begin responding to the extreme challenges that were going on. And not only were we dealing with it vocationally, but all of a sudden there's a run on food, there's a run on toilet paper, and there's no more school. And I knew if I didn't get myself centered, I was going to be like this ship tossed to and fro um, with no rudder in that mindset for me. And that journaling, that it's something that I continue to write now. And really just taking a pause, disconnecting from everything and saying, you know what, there's some hard things going on right now, but there's some good things going on right now. And then ending my day with that same focus has been good. I'm curious, what are some of the things you do to help with your mindset? Yeah, right, right on the same track as you. I get up early. I get up at 430 so that I have the time when the rest of the world isn't awake yet. My kids aren't awake yet. The workday hasn't started. And that's the intentionality. That's my sacrifice is that I get up earlier so that I have some time to really set my day. Yeah. And I start that out with scripture first thing in the morning. And then I go to my journaling and that journaling is the five things I'm grateful for in the last 24 hours. And it doesn't have to be anything magnificent. There are a lot of days where it's my physical mobility. You know, I'm grateful for the sunset. Right. I am, there are there are just simple little things, but I've been doing that for a number of years now. Yeah. And it completely changed the way in which I show up. Yeah. Because I look at everything through a lens of gratitude and appreciation. And so you can recognize really small things yeah. that have a way bigger impact on you when you do that. Yeah. And so I do my scripture, I do some journaling, and then I do at least 20 minutes of reading in the morning. And so that is, that's my morning. I set myself up for success that way. So it goes back to being intentional would be the first thing is, hey, I'm going, I need to do something. And there's almost an awareness piece of it. The next part of that then is having a plan. 
You didn't just wake up and say, oh, what do I need to do? Let's have a plan now. And I guess I'm going to transcend that into a workforce and with our peers and colleagues as well is what can leaders do to help build a culture of self-care? So you and I talked through what we specifically need to be doing. How do we carry that forward into the places that we work? I would say number one is leading by example. I think if you aren't leading in the way in which you hope is going to, to help other people, then uh, how are you calling yourself a leader? And that sounds a little bit harsh, but I, I consider leadership to be a responsibility. And so in that, I need to make sure that I'm leading by example. I think you have to check in with your people. I think that's huge. If you, especially again, going back to, we're in times that we just haven't navigated before. And if you're checking in with your people and really checking in to see how are they doing again, like I said, just, just letting them know, Hey, I see you. I hear you. I see what's happening. You know, how can I support you? And being able to stay in tune that way will allow the team, you know, the, the workplace to feel like there's a sense of support there. So what are some things that you would say people should not do or things that you've seen not worked? Because it's always good to give the example. So your your point is, just as you shared, is connecting with intentionality, but not needing something. I think one of the places I've really had to challenge myself is make a phone call just to make a phone call. Get up and go visit someone just to go visit with no agenda, no need. And it is a game changer. So Let's then do the opposite. What are some things that people shouldn't be doing? Yeah, I say approaching situations and not having grace. The grace is imperative. And if you lack that in interactions and situations, everybody has something going on in their life that you may not be privy to. And so when you go in and it's really a black and white and there is no room for grace there, I think that can be really, really impactful negatively in a, in a situation. And I think asking more of others than you're willing to show up for yourself. You know, those are some of the things that, that I think are viewed as just that real lack of support. And it's really the support factor is what people need. And yeah. they, they don't hear that necessarily through your words all the time. It's through, you know, how are you engaging with them? Yeah. When you are just real cut and dry with people, I think that's the piece that makes it really tough. Yeah. And I think, you know, the cut and dry piece is busyness just has a way of taking out the, the humanity in we forget to be compassionate that we're trying to get to that next task and do those things. And yet we look back and say, you know what? I should not have handled the conversation that way. I let that stress get the better of me. And I think, you know, I would add on to that is you've got to reconcile that with yourself as well. We don't handle every conversation. Well, we don't handle those moments well. And I think when we don't to go back and make amends for that, Hey, I'm sorry, I did not handle that well. Could have had that conversation a lot better. And I dropped the ball. I'm very human on that one. And I think allowing ourselves 
that is not a sign of weakness. It's not, it's not, I think it's actually the sign of weakness is not doing that. Uh, I think it's a sign of strength when you have the courage and you used the word earlier, vulnerability to go back and say, Hey, I replayed our conversation and I wish I could do that over. And uh, I'm going to do that over now. And yeah. uh, I'm here to say that. So we, we have something I do here at home and I have uh, two boys and as a parent, you don't, you certainly don't always say the right things. Right. You know, it's, it's funny on social media, you know, people often view others through this lens of, wow, they really have it all together. They really have yeah. this perfect life. And so I try to be as open and honest with people like, oh no, there are times when I lose my ever loving bananas, yeah. you know, <laughs> everybody does. Yeah. But there's a, there's a phrase that we use here in my house. And one of my kids or myself will say, I need a reset. Yeah. And that's the reset button. And that means whatever just happened, however just, I just engaged, yeah. whatever I just said wasn't the right thing. Yeah. Will you, will you have the grace to let me do this over? Yeah. And I think we're talking about the parent-owned situation, but to let them do it over, to not right. continue to go back to it. I think that may be one of the things as humans we struggle. We may have been hurt in that situation. We may have been bothered. We may have gotten angry and to allow that reset to happen. So yeah, yeah. it's not, it's not just from a, a, a parenting, but I think when you lead by that example, yeah. when you as a leader are saying, ah, oh, I totally yeah. put my foot in my mouth there. Yeah. Can we do this over? Not only are you being vulnerable enough to say I was wrong in this situation, you know, and I want to openly tell you that that wasn't right. Yeah. You're also giving them the permission to be able to do that back or with their team. Yeah. And I mean, that's um, one of the values we have here is be a leader and a teacher. And I don't think you can be a leader unless you're teaching. And that teaching always begins within first. That's you know, I think one of the, you reminded me, one of the coolest things that I've uh, adapted or learned over the last many years and started at home, but I now do this in, in many roles with friends and with those on my team, is really ask three questions in some unrandom frequency, meaning don't make it programmically. And, and we'll just go grab coffee, like you said earlier, and sit down and say, what's working? Because I, I want to start with the positive. Hey, what what's working about our connection that you would give a thumbs up? What's not working? <laughs> Which is, I'll tell you, takes a lot of courage to ask. Maybe takes even more just to listen and not be responsive to it. Because even if I think it's working and that person doesn't, then we've got to be okay with that and understand how are we going to engage better. And then it's really that last piece, it, we're always in it, what can we be doing better? And I say, what can we be doing better? And it's a, it's a time for both of us to get into that conversation. So when I hear you talk about self-care, I hear you talking about being intentional, having a plan, start within knowing that it is also going to go out as well, that it's going to impact all personas of your life. And this notion of self-care isn't about, I'm going to use a stigma word, you know, me time, but it is about me time. It's finding that time for self-care, not to say I don't have any responsibilities, but I want to be able to give outward. So I must ensure that things are going on okay with me. So I, I appreciate you defining that. And, you know, as we get back to caregivers and, and we just got a few more minutes left and we get, and we'll look at that role. Everyone has been 
had had undue pressure and stress during this time. A tremendous amount was asked of our caregivers. A lot of unknowns, lots of uncertainty, having to adapt and pivot by the minute, if you will. I wanna give you a moment to talk to that caregiver out there who finds himself struggling. Just find, you know, you say journal, they can't even see how or how to get up and find any of that time. You talk about giving back. They're like, I'm having a hard time just wanting to get up and fulfill that day. What words of encouragement would you say to them right now? I would say it's okay to not always be okay. It's okay to need to step back and not be able to be in the place where you can do any of that stuff for a minute. And the important piece is while you honor that space of being able to be in that, which I think is important for everyone, not everyone is just raring to go to, you know, figure out how do I get out of this? It's okay to honor that space and be there. Take the time. You said this, a, a word uh, earlier that I, that I really like, which is unpack that a little bit. That doesn't mean you have to go out and do all these things. Take a minute for you. Because if you're going to take that minute for you and realize that it's okay to not be okay and be able to start saying, what's the next one thing? One thing that I can do to support me moving out of this space, to support me feeling a little bit better or a little bit lighter. It's not about day zero, you feel like you can't even get out of bed. Day one, you're hiking a mountain, right? It's, it's not, that's not always how it looks. Maybe day zero is you feel like you can't get out of bed. And day one is I'm going to figure out one thing. What's my, just my one baby step. Maybe that's just, I'm going to get up and I'm going to figure out what does breakfast look like? (laughs) What does the first part of my day, what does my schedule look like? You know, sometimes it's just the little steps. It's the little wins that we can't discount that are going to get us to that first real step. But don't ever discount the baby steps because every single move that you make starts with maybe even one little thought, you know, one intention of I might not get there. I'm not going to hike the mountain in the next week, but maybe I'm going to figure out, hey, what would my route to the mountain be if I were to even entertain wanting to go to the mountain, you know? It's those little steps that we can't discount and forget that there's power in kind of these uh, micro steps to getting to step one. Well, I think what a powerful message, Sonny. And that I think sometimes we feel like it's all or nothing. Either I'm going to go uh, massively go all in or I'm not. And, you know, that in itself, I think you just gave a great, powerful statement just one thing. What's the one thing you can do right now to make a difference? That may be finding time. That may be reaching out to a friend. That may be seeking help, saying, hey, I am struggling and I need some help with that. And that's my one thing. I think you're, what you're trying to encourage us, and you're trying to encourage the broader community is you're right. It's a, one, you got to give yourself permission. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. okay to not be okay right now. Two, that we're in this together, that we've all walked in that in that place. And the third part is, what one thing can you do right now to go make a difference um, and go action that? 
So I think before I wrap up, I wanted to give you, you know, just uh, any any thoughts, uh, things that you want to share on this self-care topic before we wrap up here. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, as I thought about how we reach out and how we communicate with others. And I said earlier, I don't, there's no way, there's not enough hours in the day for me to reach out to 2,500 employees. And yet there's still times when I lose sleep at night making, you know, just wondering, is everybody okay? How is everybody doing? And so what I made a point to do, which is something that I would absolutely encourage everybody else, regardless of what your role is, maybe you're a peer and, and it's the caregivers that are on your team. Maybe you run an organization or you're anywhere in between, but I've made it a point to every month, maybe even every other month is to do a touch base with everybody. And I send a message out to all staff. And now people have started to expect this from me, but I just let people know, number one, I pour out the gratitude on them. I don't, it doesn't matter whether it's a biller or whether it is a frontline caregiver or a leader, they all matter. They all matter in being able to provide the very best end of life experience. They all have a role in it. And so number one, I just try to make sure that people understand how grateful we are for them. And number two, I let them know if you're not okay now, that's okay. And then I try to provide some resources because it's incredibly important as we're so pouring ourselves out into our patients and their families and our job and our home, what are you doing for you? And so in that, I usually try to put a couple of resources out there. There are so many resources. Of course, there's the um, our EAP programs throughout our, all of our companies. There's also an incredible company that's been formed through COVID called Emotional PPE. And it is an organization that was created and it's, and it's staffed by volunteers, but it is for mental health and it is televisits or you can go in and it's people all across the country who volunteer their time as counselors and therapists to be able to support those who really need it right now. And it's a free, completely free service. And so I just tell people, please, you know, you've heard me say this a hundred times, but please don't, don't forget that you have these resources available. And there are times, probably the first email, even the second email, it's like, you know, thank you, thank you. And then by the third email, people started saying, opening up about incredibly personal things that you wouldn't normally just email your COO about it. But I've, I'm honored that they do. And so I think by opening yourself up, by opening up others and making sure that they have the resources necessary to support their mental health, to support their physical health, so that they can be the very best caregivers possible is you're setting everything up for success. Well, I want to, it's great advice and we'll put the, speaking of tools and resources, we'll include those in the notes. Of, yes, of the show. They're I, I think one of the, if people wanted to connect with you, I think maybe one of the best places is on LinkedIn. Is that absolutely is yes. there? So we'll include that down there. And I just, as we come in for a landing here, I just want to thank you. Thank you for making time for this subject. Thank you for making time for this podcast. This is, I think, newer territory for people moving into a leadership perspective. And really, we're all helping our, ourselves navigate forward on this. What you've been able to do by leading through word and deed has been inspiring. And it's why we wanted to engage on this. And specifically to our caregivers out there, thank you. 
exactly what Sonny said. Much appreciation for what we see and the many more things that we never see that you make happen. The conversations in a hallway with a family member as you work to console them. The moments that you just smile at a person who's uncertain and unsure is as vital and essential to anything that we can be doing. At the end of the day, we are all more alike than not. We want to know that we can make a difference. We want to help others and we want to be our best selves. And essentially that's what self-care is. It's giving ourselves the margin, the opportunity, having a plan to go pursue that and write an incredible story. And when we get it wrong, to make it right. And when we get it right, how can we continue to pay it forward to others so we can each help each other in our pursuits? Sonny, thank you very much for the time today. Great conversation. You've given me an idea of probably three or four more podcasts that you may have to go do on this topic. Excellent. When you talk about boundaries and some of those types of things, we were using some words that people are like, what, what did they mean by that? So we may have to unpack that and share that in the future. So thank you very much. Tom, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute delight chatting with you. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment, give us a rating, give us some feedback, share some thoughts or topics that you might want to to hear about. We want to continue to engage and press in and bring things and thoughts to the table that are helpful for all of us. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining. At NetSmart, we understand the challenges facing provider organizations. Our team will help you navigate changing value-based care models with solutions and services that make person-centered care a reality. We'll equip you with technology and services that provide holistic, real-time views of care histories that inform better decision-making and better outcomes. Visit us today at ntst.com. NetSmart, serving you so you can serve others. Thanks for listening to the NetSmart Care Threads podcast. Through collaboration and conversation, we can work together to make healthcare more connected than ever before and better support the communities we serve. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.